Welcome to the Decades of Strength podcast. We are Kim, Marcy, and Katie. We are three women on one mission. We are obsessed with empowering women to gain confidence, build strength, and ditch feelings of unworthiness. So grab your chair, come sit at our table, and let's talk. everybody to the Decades of Strength podcast. My name is Katie Crocus and I'm so excited to be here with my co-hosts Marcy Nevin and Kim Schlag. How are you ladies? Hi Katie, good to see you. Hi Katie, doing well. How are you doing? Good. Uh, Today we have a really interesting topic to discuss. There is a buzzword that gets thrown around in the coaching space all the time and especially when it comes to achieving results and for good reason. And that word is consistency. And I think all three of us have a lot to say about it. But before we dive in, let's check in on each other. I'd love to hear what's going on in your world. Kim, what's up? Um, Overwhelmed with fun, ladies. There's just so much going on. You know, May is always a busy month. If you have kids, like, you know, like Mm. everything takes place in May. And this year with my kiddo graduating, there's just a lot going on. And his birthday, we just happened. Uh, our church decided that for all of our seniors, we were going to do a roast, like an old fashioned, like do like a fun, like make fun of them kind of thing. And so that was last night. So we prepared like funny, like slideshows about our kids and like, you know, showed crazy pictures and stuff. So I was doing that. And now it's, you know, planning the graduation party and planning the graduation dinner. And like my family's coming out for the grad. It's just a lot. Did you ever just feel like there's just so much going on? Like you can't. That is May. Yes. That's kind of May. That's me right now. Well, I can't compare to any of that. No children (laughs) over here. Just a dog. (laughs) Uh, So unfortunately, my life is rather uneventful. That's okay. (laughs) It's okay. I'm fine with it. You know, it's good. I mean, work is going well. Work is always, I hate this word, busy, for Mm. lack of a better one. Mm. It's, work is full. We'll talk, we'll say that. Yes. It's, it's nice to have like measured fullness. And I think we're all getting better at doing that these days, like planning our schedule and setting our boundaries. And that's good. So yeah, over here, May is insane as always. It's like that with kids. And yesterday I actually had to crowdsource on Instagram, some homework help for my daughter. Like I am that parent at this juncture in the year. Katie, I saw it and I want to know the answer. Wait, tell everybody what the question was. I was fascinated. And then I didn't understand whether that was the right answer people found. So Wisconsin state history is how my fourth grader is closing the year. And so she had a crossword puzzle where she had to fill in like the state bird and the state song and the state pastry. And a lot of it I knew, but one of them was- We all have state pastries. I didn't know this is a thing. I didn't either. Wisconsin, like leave it to Wisconsin to to have like the state pastry as something that your kid actually learns in fourth grade. (laughs) But evidently there's a like a fabric and uh, I Googled it and I couldn't find it. And I like to think that I know how to use the World Wide Web, but I couldn't figure it out. And I love the answers I got were hilarious. Somebody suggested a cheesecloth, which makes a lot of sense. Was that right? No, it was, it was tartan, like plaid. Tartan. So anyway, we're all, you know, sorry, if you're going to go on Jeopardy, maybe that helps you and we might. That's That's a good thing to know. Well, look, I just had to Google it guys. We do have state pastries. The state pastry of Pennsylvania is chocolate chip cookies. What? That's a good and, one. And it says drink it with your state beverage, which is milk. I didn't know. <gasps> I didn't know. <laughs> I knew I felt a, a really close and aligned with Pennsylvania. And maybe now I know why. Well, 
it, it kind of makes sense because like Hershey, Pennsylvania, right? Well, that's true. That's a good point. Let me connecting the dots. Well, now Marcy, we need to know what is the state pastry? I'm looking it up state pastry of California. Any guesses? No. Uh, that's, let's see. What is California's state dessert? The avocado fruit parfait. That, what? That's <laughs> lame, California. <laughs> Nobody wants that. <laughs> That's Definitely not me. And, and, and the question is, are they teaching it to your children, to, to the next generation? Because evidently this is important for people to <laughs> this know. This is not something I learned in school. Wait, well, I have to tell you one more thing. California has a state cookie too. It's avocado chocolate chip cookies. Oh my gosh. Oh. You guys are obsessed with your avocados. Yes. Well, I mean, for good reason. Avocado is delicious. Yeah, I don't want them in a cookie though. I don't, well... I'm going to try and make it. Just see how it goes. I'm going to send you some, Kim. <laughs> okay, great. I do what we all know on the podcast. I love to bake. So it'll it's give me true. an excuse. All right. Well, there was some <laughs> confusion around that. And you know what? This actually like transitions beautifully into the conversation about consistency today, because I feel like whenever I bring this topic up, I get so many questions from people about what is it? What does it mean? At what level do I need to execute? Like, what are the benchmarks? What are the barriers? So let's start out just by maybe defining what we would say consistency is in our world. Who wants to go first, Marcy? I think consistency is being, simply being adherent to the plan that you have set up for yourself. Like it's really as simple as that, but I think where it gets nuanced is, yeah, what, to what level do you have to execute on that to see the progress? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I actually, you know, have run the numbers on this because I think people really do well hearing what what it actually translates to, um, and so if we're talking eighty percent consistency, that is twenty three out of twenty eight days that you adhere to whatever your plan is. Okay, and when people look, do plot that out a calendar, everybody. Okay, put little X's on twenty three days and see how many days that leaves, you know, unadherent. That's five days. So mm -hmm. if you're taking off every weekend. You're, you're not 80% adherent. Talking 90% mm -hmm. adherence, um, that's 20, 25, 20, 25 days. I think it's 25 days. Yeah. It's not, you can only miss three days to be 90% adherent. That's a big jump um, in adherence. They both work. They both work. Where mm -hmm. a lot of people go wrong is 70% adherence feels friggin' hard. Mm -hmm. And so they really feel in it, but it's not enough for most people to see the results they want. Yeah. Well, and here's the other thing that I believe can get nuanced, especially if someone is not, let's say, we'll use nutrition because I think that's really where the consistency matters the most when it comes to seeing results, especially if fat loss is the goal because calorie deficit is what is going to drive the fat loss progress. Not so much the training. I mean, I would say non-exercise activity as well, but calorie deficit first and foremost. So it's really easy to put the numbers in place. Here's how many calories I need to be eating. Here's perhaps my macros. If you're someone who is tracking macros and it's much simpler to break it down that way. Oh, I hit my macros on target or within five grams of my target X amount of days. But what if someone is not tracking? They're maybe using like a habits-based system, the plate method, something that is a little bit more, uh, I hate to say like loosey goosey, <laughs> but, but you know, that it's not as structured or, uh, black and white, shall I say. 
So how do you break down the consistency in a situation like that? You know, like we're talking about a day, how do you break down the consistency by the day? So let's say, you know, one meal, it wasn't perfect because you ate a little bit too much fat at that meal. Does that like mean that the day is now shot, even if you are in an overall calorie deficit? No. I think that's where it can get tricky. Yeah, it's a great question. It's a great question. Um, so Marcy, with, with all of the uh, like non-calorie counting methods, I still think it's really important to have some kind of visual representation for people to look at. So I do spreadsheets for my clients. And so as they're logging these things in, they can look and a lot of them like to color code them right? And so like pink means I did it or whatever it is so that you can look at it and be like, all right, there's way more green on here. That's what I want. And you know, there's not as much red or, you know, whatever it is so that you can really see. And then you have to look at your results and look at your consistency and see like, okay, is if these are the results I want and I'm not getting them, what do I need to do with my consistency? Right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be numerical based, but you really need to be able to compare the two. Like, am I getting the results I want? And what is my consistency? The problem is when people aren't charting anything, they mm -hmm. don't know. Mm -hmm. I like what you said too, Marcy, about the example of maybe going over in fat and realizing that you can still absolutely have a day that would align with consistency, even if your macros don't line up next to perfect, because you can adjust that. There are pivots you can make to come at the end, at the end of the day within a reasonable space. I would say that, plus or minus even as much as 10 on carbs and protein and maybe five on fat nails the day. And let's mm -hmm. say you go over 10 on fat, that equates to what, 90 calories? You can pull that back from, you know, 25 carbs. So there are ways to pivot and manage the day and not just rip it up and walk away when you like, oops, there was, you know, you had whole eggs instead of egg whites as you would want it to. Um, and I think that's an important piece of consistency too, is understanding that yes, there is, you know, we're looking for, for like 80 or 90% overall and things, but the 80 or 90% translates into the things too. So like checking off the day being consistent. Yes, we want to be between 80 and 90%, but also within each thing that we're tracking, we have a little bit of wiggle room as well. Mm -hmm. And to your point, Kim, the closer we're tracking it, the more precise we'll be with knowing how close we are. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I mean, here's the thing too, a deficit and even maintenance calories, it's a range. So it's not like my deficit is 1300 calories. And if I'm at 1305, nope, no progress is happening that day. Mm -hmm. So maybe it's, you know, within a range of hundred, 200, I don't know exactly. It's going to be probably dependent on the person and where yourself or your coach has set up your target deficit. Um, I always like to have clients to eat as much as possible while still getting results. So maybe it's like the higher end of the deficit. So perhaps there's less wiggle room there, but I think that is something to consider as well. Uh, yes, you know, coming in with the, uh, five to 10 grams of that target will help you be more consistent. But even if you are slightly over on that, like, can you still be in a deficit overall? And, and that takes a little bit of experimentation and yeah, looking at your results and going back and uh, looking at your tracker or your MyFitnessPal. And uh, so it's kind of a science experiment at the end of the day, mm -hmm. really, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't think, I mean, not, I think I know mm -hmm. I do not have any clients who nail their macros every single day. There's no. always a range and they still get results. 
And having the expectation that you're supposed to nail them perfectly is actually one of the things that does people in, right? Because you have this expectation of I need to be perfect, then you can't do it. And then what? What do you do? Well, you give up until, you know, a few months later and you're like, wait, I'm going to try it again. I think this idea that we need to be 100% is completely wrong. And for most of the general population with fat loss goals and sustainability goals, 85 to 90% is approximately where you need to be. And and Kim, you said you ran the numbers earlier and that is something I would encourage almost everyone to do for themselves too. Mm -hmm. Like, what do the numbers look like? What does my week look like? What does my month look like? Do I have a wedding coming up? How can I plan for this? How can I be the architect of my own environment and actually execute on a really high level, but understand that 100% is not the goal, nor should it be. I mean, there's a lot of problems if we are, if we put ourselves in a position um, to anchor our success to 100%. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You're just, you're setting yourself up for disappointment. You're setting yourself up for failure. And frankly, it's not even needed for good results. Like, mm-hmm. like you said, like, I don't have any clients. Sure, like occasionally I'll have a client who like gets 100% on like one week, but that's rare most of the time you know, they're coming in 85, 90% consistent um, over time. And it's more than enough to get really great results and feel like you're not a slave to your nutrition and exercise plan. Well, speaking of that, let's talk about some of the things that are most important to actually be consistent in outside of exercise and and nutrition. I think we sort of set the establish that nutrition has got to be king, right? Like that's number one, if you have fat loss goals but there are a lot of other pillars that actually really contribute to this or that can, can hold you back. I call it low hanging fruit. Do you guys have any suggestions for what those things are in your experience? Oh, sleep for sure. You know, we talk about the pyramid of, of getting results and it's like may or uh, adherence at the bottom of the period pyramid, excuse me, calorie deficit. I feel like sleep and stress management should be at the bottom of the pyramid. And then everything else is layered upon that because that is going to be the thing that determines your ability to adhere to whatever you have set up for yourself. So if you are sleep deprived, if you are overstressed, it's absolutely going to have a downstream effect on your ability to stay consistent because we all know sleep deprivation leads to increased hunger, increased cravings, depleted, you know, willpower, poor decision-making. So if you are not getting that right from the jump, then you're making it much more difficult on yourself to actually do the behaviors that you need to do to make progress. So I that's agree the with that, Marcy. Start with everybody. I agree with that, Marcy. I want to add one more thing to that. And uh, this is something I work with my course members in my menopause weight loss course a lot because for a lot of us, it's just not possible to get our sleep under control. We can't do Mm -hmm. it. Like women who are struggling with hot flashes, sometimes they just can't get it under control right away or insomnia, like menopause induced insomnia. It's a real issue. And so one of the things we talk about is all right, sleep is really important. What if we're not getting it? Does that mean we can't lose weight? And it doesn't. What it means is we have to manage all of those things Marcy just mentioned because they're going to happen. Like you're going to likely be craving more. Your hunger is going to be ramped up. You're downregulating your movement. And so we have to have strategies to help manage those things if we can't manage the sleep. So we do everything we can to manage the sleep. Like, can you get to your doctor and get HRT? Can you like work on your sleep routine? And if in doing those things, you still can't fix your sleep, 
then you still, you alongside of it attack. Okay. What will I do when I'm craving? Do I need to set up my environment different differently? Like what can we do to manage those hurdles? And that's a big piece of the menopause weight loss puzzle. Yeah. Well, and I think just bringing awareness to it. And that's something that I talk to my clients about as well. So if you know that sleep is important for remaining consistent or adherent, and there was a night where you weren't getting good sleep and you wake up the next day, your hunger is through the roof. You can't control your cravings. You want to eat everything that's not tied down. Then just like recognizing that and having that talk with yourself. Okay. This likely is not real physical hunger. It's almost phantom hunger or phantom cravings rather than just like automatically going to, well, I need to be listening to my hunger cues. So I might as well eat. <laughs> um, that can be, you know, something that's really tricky. So yes, awareness is always the first step. And then once we have that awareness, we can, you know, implement, like you said, Kim, the strategies, setting up the environment for success, or just having those conversations with ourselves that, you know, this is going to feel hard today. Like, but I recognize why that is. It's nothing to do with me. It doesn't mean like I'm a failure. There's something wrong with my body, but I still have to navigate accordingly. Yeah. I feel like we can't talk about consistency or how to execute consistency without talking about habits. Mm -hmm. um, James Clear, I love Atomic Habits. I'm sure you have probably read it. If you haven't read the book, it's I highly recommend it. One of the things he says is habits are, uh, creating habits is the, the, the compound interest of self-improvement. That's one of his quotes. And I couldn't agree with that more. And so a lot of times what I encourage my clients to do is start with a prompt, like think about what would happen if I just didn't give up. Like what would happen if I just did X, Y, Z for five minutes? Or if I made this a priority today? Or on the flip side, what would happen if I didn't? So could we talk about maybe some tips to actually learn like actually take some steps on how to execute consistently and some of the, the, the key indicators that we need to do. Yeah. That's Interesting. You bring that up, Katie, because I think I saw that this one quote from James clear reshared yesterday more than any post I've ever seen reshared. Are you in serious? Let's be honest. We're all kind of following the same people, <laughs> you know, the same coaches and I can't remember the exact quote, but it was basically like something is always better than nothing. So reading one page is better, better than reading. Oh, no, yeah. playing one string of the guitar better than not playing the guitar at all. Mm -hmm. So I think in going back to the nutrition as well, you know, not having that all or nothing mindset that if I can't do it perfectly, if I can't do it to the full capacity, then I might as well not do it at all. So just remembering that something is better than nothing and consistency is all about momentum as well. So if you have, if you build upon momentum or if you build momentum, then that's going to allow you to be more consistent. And another James Clear quote is never miss twice. And I wrote about this on my stories on Monday because everyone who watches my stories knows that I journal pretty much every morning. I miss both days over the weekend and it wasn't difficult for me to get back to it on Monday because I had been so consistent because I had built this ritual. But I think in the beginning of creating better habits, being as consistent as you can by just doing it to like minimal effective dose is what will help create that momentum. Mm -hmm. So that if you do slip up, if you do go a couple of days without being consistent, you can get back on track as quickly as possible. 
never miss twice is such an important um, Mm -hmm. mantra to follow. It really is. Um, It helps to prevent that slippery slope back to old habits, right? And so if you are a person who's working on having protein in every meal and you miss at lunch, making sure you do it at dinner is super important so that you're back on track and that you have that feeling of success. So I love that one. Um, Another one that I would add on is the importance of planning. If you're going to adhere to your plan, winging it is not the way to go. And so whatever your plan is, whether that's your calorie counting or you have a habit-based approach, whatever it is, knowing what you're supposed to do and that the pieces are in place to actually make it happen is really important. Um, So I encourage all of my clients to plan on Sunday, like calendar their workouts know, have I done my grocery shopping or when am I placing my food order? You know, make sure you know, where is the food coming from? Do I need to do meal prep? What are my, what, what are my like main protein sources this week? So setting yourself up for success by having that planning piece really dialed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I really think the bridge to consistency is built when action becomes habit. And, you know, Marcy, you mentioned, mentioned momentum, but you know, we also need to have patience too, because you have to sort of build that muscle and build that habit so it can become, so you do get that momentum and it does become part of your life. And so I think this is why sometimes we see people with maybe like who begin their journey at maybe like 50% consistency and they start to see results, right? There's your minimum effective dose. And then there's other people who it's gonna require a much higher effort to, to see changes all the way on the spectrum to somebody like who's you know, maybe competing at a show, a competitor, they need to be like 99% um, compliant. And so it all sort of comes down to where you fall in the funnel. Are you ladies familiar with the funnel analogy? Uh, you know, I don't think I'm not I am. What context you're talking about. So let's, let's hear it. Okay. So if you visualize a funnel, which is sort of like an upside down pyramid, right? So it's like a triangle and it's big on the top and small on the bottom. And everybody is somewhere in the funnel when it comes to achieving their goals. So if you're someone who's just getting started, maybe you, um, you know, were, were pregnant, you were focused on breastfeeding and that was your focus for the last couple of years. And so you're able to shift gears and say, okay, now I can put some time into trying to shed some fat. That person is going to have to do much less to get results than somebody who has been in a deficit for the last six months and who's stalled out because their cardio is high and their calories are low. So you get to a point, like a choke point in the funnel, everybody does, where you have to decide, dual, is, it, is it worth what I have to do next in order to continue to achieve results, right? So that's, that is the funnel analogy. And that really sort of, I think consistency marries into that um, because one of the ways to almost get lodged in the funnel is when you stop and you don't continue to progress with your consistency. Absolutely. And I like what you're saying, you know, so I have clients who are 250 pounds when they start with me and they can make really good progress by literally, I had a client this year, um, she was drinking 12, um, I don't remember if they were cans or bottles of regular flat out soda every day. Mm-hmm. And the, one of the first things I asked her, I said, okay, like, what do you feel is a reasonable goal per week? And so she originally cut it out to, I, she gave a range and I think it was one to two a day and she was nailing that. And now she's down to like three a week just making that habit like made yes. a huge progress for her. And she then switched to like, okay, I'm going to have one salad a day. And those were her first two habits. I'm cutting down to X number of sodas and I'm, I'm having a salad a day. She lost a ton of weight, you oh, know, man. even just in week one and two and three, just making those changes where, like you said, you know, I get somebody who's like in the skinny fat area and they're really lean looking to get leaner. 
you know, they can't make such minor changes and see big results. They've already made those kinds of changes. And so it's really dialing in the specifics and it's, you know, it can be more and more effort, the leaner you want to get. Mm. And you'll need that higher level of consistency if you want to walk around with a six pack. And frankly, I think a lot of us think we want to do that until we realize what it takes. <laughs> and then we're like, never mind. Amen to that. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. And that was my own experience a couple of years ago when I was in a fat loss phase for the first time in a, a very long time. I talked about this on the last episode. And at first it was like, oh, I just want to lose, you know, let's say 10 pounds. And then my coach said to me, he's like, how far do you really want to take this? Because I think you have the dedication, the discipline, the capacity to really push the limit if you wanted to. And I was like, yeah, let's go. I want to see what my body is capable of. And so we did, we get, we got down to a very low calorie range. My steps were probably, you know, average, I would say 15,000 a day cardio, four days of lifting. That is what was required because I was already, you know, quite lean to, I mean, I was, I had body fat to lose when I started the deficit just that I was not comfortable with. And then when I got to the point where he was like, okay, let's really push it into high gear. Then I really needed to like dial it in even more. And there were no untracked macros. There were no work workouts missed, you know, cardio was done every day. Same thing with the workouts. Uh, and it's just, it's what had to happen, but you also have to ask yourself, is that something that I want to do? And for most people, I don't think it is like the last five pounds requires a lot of sacrifice and a lot of effort and a lot of consistency, Mm -hmm. you know, much less wiggle room for sure. Mm -hmm. That's a good point. I, I think to kind of wrap all this up too, you know, I think we'd all agree that consistency is so important and it gets overlooked very quickly when somebody stops seeing results, oftentimes they say, oh, I'm gonna cut out gluten or I wanna drop calories or, or I'm gonna add cardio. And I think the takeaway is to remember to take a look back, look at your metrics and see, have you been consistent 27 out of 30 days in the last month? If you haven't, gosh, how's the last week been? Like if Saturday and Sunday were off and it's Friday and you're mad that you haven't lost weight, think about that. That is like, 65 or 70% consistency. So before you try to go and reinvent the wheel and retool your whole plan, take a look at where your numbers are. And I bet you can probably affect some change there first. Well, then what about on the exercise front? Because I do think that there's a little more, I don't want to say nuance there, but perhaps you can be less consistent with your training than you can with your nutrition. What are your thoughts on that? I think it depends on the goal. If your goal is fat Mm -hmm. loss. Yeah, I think that's right. If your goal is to like maximize muscle gain, no, right? We're talking straight up fat loss. Yeah, like if you're super on point with your um, calories and your protein and your steps, you know, the training is going to support that, um, but it's not the deal breaker. It's up there in the top four, but it's not number one, two, or three. Mm-hmm. And that is not me saying, oh, don't worry about your training. Or, yeah, no, I totally yeah, Not at all, not at all. No, well, and I- one thing that I like to talk about a lot is, the importance of building a foundation when it comes to your body, your level of muscularity. And when you do that, and you know, you've really been putting in the proverbial reps, or I say like adding to your progress piggy bank for a very long time, 
then it allows you to at some point be less consistent and still maintain your results. So for those who don't know, I had surgery back in February and I was out of the gym for five weeks. So the only thing I did was walk. Kim, I know for you, you were out of the gym for what months? Three, Three months. months. Three you know? months. And it's like, yes, you lose some strength and perhaps a little bit of muscle. But once you get in there, I do think the muscle memory starts to kick back in. Strength yeah. comes back pretty quickly. And it's really like you didn't miss like that much of a beat. So just the importance of, again, being consistency, building that, or yeah, being consistent, building that foundation so that at some point you can be more flexible with your lifestyle. You can go on vacation and maybe eat a little bit more and you're not going to gain, you know, 10 pounds just because your metabolism, your, your muscle level, the amount of muscle that you have is to a point where your body does not respond as negatively. Mm -hmm. It's totally, that's totally true. I think just remembering, um, you can't mess this up guys. Like there's no, (laughs) there's no, there's no amount of time that if you've been away, there's nobody listening who's too far gone. Right. Mm -hmm. I don't care how old you are, how out of shape you are, how long you've been out of the gym, like you can still get it back or get it if you've never even had it. And this Mm -hmm. is the message I have for a lot of older women. Like they're like, I've never really been in great shape. Doesn't matter. It's not too late. It's not too late. Now's a good time. No. With every action or inaction, you're either going to get the result you want or the lesson you need. I've heard that from Amber. I know you guys both know Amber of Biceps After Babies. And I feel like that rings true in my head all the time. Whenever I feel like, oh, I might, I might've messed that up or that wasn't the best choice. It's like, listen, I'm going to take something away from it. And, and here's what it is. So yeah, that's a good message. Well, thank you ladies. I think this was great. We all obviously had a lot to say about consistency. Yeah. (laughs) Good topic. Thanks Katie. All right. Well, thanks everyone. And we'll catch you next time. Looking forward. Bye ladies. Bye. Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Decades of Strength podcast. If you liked this, if it was helpful for you, it would mean the world to us if you left a rating and review wherever you're listening. It really does help our work get in front of more people. Thanks so much for being here with you and we'll see you again next week.